Hey Neighbors Church, Alexis Braga here with my husband Dan. Hey everybody. <laughs> on this uh, Wednesday, um, happy to be joining you for our midweek conversation podcast. It's been about three to four weeks since um, all this isolation, quarantine craziness um, has come about. And I would say that it's really starting to set in for most of us. Um, I think that there's been a general sense of uh, almost depression and a tiredness. I've heard from several people that there's a fatigue of um, just all the online um, connecting, which is interesting because you think more than ever we want to connect, but online it's just causing a fatigue that's been pretty overwhelming for people. Um, so I think we want to, we want to talk about that fatigue today. How are you doing, Dan? Yeah, I really thought that this was going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a severe introvert. I'm fine on the top of a mountain, a hundred miles away from humanity with a jug of water in my Bible. And, um, and so I thought, oh, okay, well, we're going to go into quarantine and, uh, we'll have some zoom meetings and I won't have face to face meetings and it'll be kind of a season of reprieve. And I, like you, have found myself um, curiously bothered by this and um, longing and aching. There's a low-grade depression that's been coming out of it. Every time I have to get online, while I'm so grateful to be able to connect with other humans and see their faces on Zoom, there is a tiredness that quickly sets in just staring at a computer screen and trying to work my way through that. Um, and so it's a fascinating time for me of discovery uh, around my needs and my longings. Um, I know for you, Han, you had mentioned that Sundays are really difficult for you for a particular reason. You're, what is that? Yeah, when um, we're together on Sundays, um, I've just noticed that after our, our time of being on Zoom together with our church, I just every week keep getting this like pit in my stomach. And so it's taken a little bit for me to prayerfully consider what is going on inside me. Why do I have this pit? Because it's almost like it's not an anxiousness. It's like a feeling of dread, honestly. Um, and it's not before the gathering starts. It's always following the gathering um, on Zoom. And so through some walks and just prayerful exploration um, with this Holy Spirit and my soul, I've realized that um, I am a person when I'm in a room, I like to be able to see people's faces. I like to hear tone of voice. Um, I love to be able to look a person in the eye and um, hear how they're doing, read their body language. And even when I'm talking to that person, I could momentarily glance across the room and see another person who's talking and suddenly I'm like, oh, I need to connect with them. I need to go pray with them. I just have this discernment um, in reading a room and I've realized with um, gathering on Zoom, I don't have that. I don't have this ability to read a room and to get a feel for how people are doing. Um, it's really hard when you're looking at these little two-inch squares to know 
how people are doing and what they're feeling and what's going on in their lives. Plus they're on mute. So they may be Facebooking or fighting with their spouse kind of on the side. It's so disorienting. It is so disorienting. And so I realized that that pit in my stomach is because when I walk away, I literally have no, nothing to like set my feet on and go, okay, this is, this was my takeaway from reading the room, so to speak, and and from like interacting face to face with other human beings. And so it's been really difficult. So we've been exploring that, um, you know, week by week, Sunday after Sunday, I I had a full, uh, I had a rough Sunday this last Sunday. It was a beautiful Sunday, but afterwards I was just buried in this deluge of frustration and fear and uncertainty. And then Alexis and I have been noticing irritability uh, Mm -hmm. growing. And we've been thinking, you know, it's just because we're crammed into this house together and on each other's toes constantly. And and for me, I struggle with a low-grade anger all the time anyway. And that's only been amplifying then as if the Lord knew what we needed to hear. Uh, my my dear friend and spiritual director, Rich Plass, just out of the blue, he sends me this article. He's like, hey, Dan, have you seen this? And it's from uh, a psychiatrist named Kurt Thompson. I began reading his works a number of years ago. Thompson works in a field uh, of psychiatry and, and neuroscience called interpersonal neural biology. I know that's a mouthful, but boiled down, what his field studies, what these experts are looking at is the interplay between the human mind, our actual body, the chemicals and the hormones that create the tensions and the points of ease, how the brain chemistry, serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, and in a, all of these fascinating things that God has made us with, what Thompson has made his life's work is studying how those all interact with one another, how they relate to each other, how they affect each other. But Thompson is also a devout follower of Jesus. And so he has developed um, talks and teachings and written books on how all of this interacts with our immaterial soul. His two primary works, if you're a reader, are um, Anatomy of the Soul and then The Soul of Shame, which in my opinion is a must-read for anybody that's a pastoral leader. So really distilled down, he does these studies on relationships between the heart, the mind, the body, and the soul. Yeah, and in summary, you know, I I say this often, but what a lot of modern psychology, psychiatry, and and neurobiology is discovering and, and really beginning to empirically put forward data and evidence on is stuff that theologians have known forever. So Rich Plass, he sends me this article written by Kurt Thompson, and it just highlighted what Alexis and I, and most likely you, your friends, and your family are experiencing in this time. This this settling in where the anxiety is still there, what's going to happen, we don't know. But the anxiety is shifting to an irritability and even a low-grade anger. And from that, we're experiencing this this fatigue. It's like we're sitting in our sweats all day long doing really nothing. And yet by the end of the day, we close our computer screens and our meetings are over. And there's an, it's it's like we're overexerting. We've, we've overexerted ourselves and uh, science, interpersonal neurobiology and theology has answers for why that's happening. And that's our conversation for today. This really sparked a lot of walking conversation between my wife and I. And so we will post this article and the podcast notes. Really, this whole conversation is based 
on that article. We really want you to go read it. Anything that Thompson is writing right now is of great value. So we'll post that for you. But we just want to highlight some of what we've been talking about from that article. And then we're going to wrap up with some practical points and a blessing over you and a looking forward to give you some hope. I'd love to just open um, this time with uh, a quote from Thompson in which he writes that the language of interpersonal neurobiology, the mind is understood as an embodied and relational process. As Christians, what this is hinting at is the fundamental reality of the Genesis account of creation, that God formed the man out of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils, and the breath of life in man became a living being. This is from Genesis 2. We are dirt and we are breath. We are embodied and we are spirited. Take either one away and we stop being fully human. And what we are experiencing is the act of living disembodied lives. So really, uh, that's that's the crux of what we're struggling with is in many ways, we're living disembodied lives right now. Yeah. And it's creating um, fatigue. Um, that's why we learned a long time ago, whenever you're dealing with an emotional complexity that you can't figure out what's going on, if you can slow down and try to put a name to it like literally give a title to what's happening in your being, then you can begin to manage it. So we have called our personal experience Zoom fatigue and the loss of embodied fellowship. Alexis and I and you, my dear friend, my loved one, you're dealing with Zoom fatigue and the loss of embodied fellowship. And neuroscience says uh, that we are wrestling with the loss of being able to see each other face to face, body Mm -hmm. to body, and we're overcompensating. Theology says we were designed to live in social contact with each other and our souls are running dry. Mm -hmm. They are aching and hurting. Uh, The the analogy that that Thompson uses is is right now because we can't be with each other in in an embodied state, we are like cell phones that are constantly searching for the signal and we can't find it. And so it's wearing us out. You want to talk a little bit about how you read body language? Because what's most fascinating about how we communicate with each other is that 95% of our communication, like when you and I are communicating with each other right now, we're both looking at each other, but we're using our words. But beyond that, we're using, well, husband and wife, we have IQs, like my wife can speak a novel to my soul um, (laughs) with just one look of her eyes. Uh, You were talking a little bit about what happens on Sunday morning when you're able to read a room. Talk about what you mean by that in detail. Well, I love how Pete Scazzaro, actually, in Emotionally Healthy Relationships, he talks about how when communicating with other human beings, so much of um, our communication comes forth. 95%. Yeah, comes forth with the nonverbal communication. And um, we've talked a lot about that in just, hey, I, your words are saying this, but your body's saying this. And for me, on a Sunday morning, it's not necessarily that there's a negative nonverbal communication that's happening. But for me, and probably everyone else, because we are, uh, we do communicate more through nonverbal communication. 
there's just this inability um, over a computer screen to be able to mm-hmm. read those nonverbal mm-hmm. cues. And so it just leaves you with this sense of constantly going, what's actually happening? Yeah. I'm, oh, boy. The, the whole Zoom thing, maybe this will help you. Zoom fatigue is a real thing in your physiology. So you're sitting there staring at the screen, and you're not able to pick up the, the unconscious whole assortment of body cues that we give to communicate to each other and you're not able to give them and so it's like your brain goes into overdrive and your soul goes into overdrive trying to over communicate trying to interpret information that is not there and that creates anxiety that creates exhaustion that creates a sense of irritability i can tell you guys Please pray for myself and anybody else, all of our teachers at Neighbors, anybody else that's doing these YouTube live things. I literally, the bane of my existence on Sunday morning has become the little green light on my Mac computer because I'm trying to stare at the green light so it looks like I'm looking at the people that I'm talking to. And there's absolutely no body response. There's no amens. Everybody's muted. As far as I know, they're just sitting there scrolling through Instagram. And it it is awful it's awful yeah so um really that 95 percent of nonverbal communication that we so depend on and honestly take for granted is now completely exhausting us um we're designed as human beings to communicate in the presence of one another and so right now we're working over time um trying to find those points of, of communication. And we're also trying to communicate and give them over a two inch square. And so as a teacher or leading on YouTube live, that kind of thing, it's so overwhelming because there's just no way to communicate the way you are used to communicating. So that reality can be a real bummer. Uh, but at least being able to put a name to it makes you aware that, hey, you're not crazy because you hate Zoom meetings because it just feels so exhausting. This crisis is crushing, but at the same time, what I'm really grateful for, it is very clarifying. Mm-hmm. Um, when God says, do not forsake the fellowshipping of the saints together in the book of Hebrews, He's not saying that because he's some fuddy-duddy saying you can't go have fun on Sunday morning and you've got to commit two hours to being with God's people because I'm a mean God. He is saying, my child, I am a Trinitarian community. I live in this interpersonal unified essence with myself. And when I created you, I created you to live in an interpersonal unity with other bodies, with other beings, to communicate by means that are unconscious, both sciency and physical and neural, but also spiritual and mystical and deep. And so COVID can be a crisis that clarifies for us our need for each other. There is a reason that we spend money to rent properties, to get humans into a building, to listen to sermons, to drink coffee together, to shake each other's hands, to pass the peace of the litur- as the liturg- liturgies of history have said. They are vital to us being fully human. And I don't know about you, but even as I say that, that excites me. That reinvigorates my mind frame around what the church is and why we do the church the way we do church. 
there's something so powerful about, you know, talking about our Sunday mornings, having coffee. Um, there's power in singing together, lifting our hands in worship together. There's power in taking the bread and the cup and in each other's physical presence and having that meal together. Um, and so I can't wait for that, that moment when we get to, we get to come back together and do that. Um, because this season has clarified just how much I actually need that. Okay. I'm going to say something and I'm pretty certain most of you will hold me to this. Um, (laughs) What I am excited about when the COVID crisis has come to pass in some measure and we are able to socially be close to one another is the ability to give hugs and receive hugs. <laughs> I, uh, it's so crazy. I miss hugs. Most of you that know me know that I am not famous for my hugging ability. We actually have a couple of friends who've made it their aim in life to make Dan an incredible hugger. It's literally the seventh circle of hell. They will grab me and they will hold on to me and I will squirm and it will be awkward and yet they will not let go. Uh, And so I thought I would never miss that. <laughs> instead, <laughs> instead I do. I deeply miss that. Just the other day, we uh, we went to get some bread. One of our friends is cooking bread right now, and so we buy bre- bread from him. We went. Over, we rode our bikes over there to pick it up. And uh, some of our other dear friends live right in the same complex as them. And it just so happened that all six of us and my three kids ended up in this little tiny square neighborhood area. And of course, we were maintaining social distance. So there's two of our dear friends with their baby and our other friends that we're picking up the bread from and my kids and us. And I'm not kidding. I felt an agony. Like I literally wanted to embrace each one of them and just squeeze them till they couldn't breathe. And, <laughs> and what I recognized is these humans are part of my soul. There is some sort of mysterious unity that I have psychologically, emotionally, in friendship, in in the world of the Holy Spirit with these other humans. And it took everything in me not to break protocol, grab them and express my deep love for them with a hug. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We're all growing. We're Dan's all going to be come a hugger. You guys. Oh man. Oh my God. No, I'm not. I'm not. Everything I just said, forget <laughs> it's still going to be awkward. <laughs> oh gosh. I feel awkward right now. Even thinking about it. Okay. Let's move on. We need to talk about how to mitigate this uh, because the fact of the matter is we don't know when we're coming out of quarantine. And the truth is we need to mentally and psychologically and emotionally prepare ourselves. Even when we come out of quarantine, there could be other breakouts and there'll be other lockdowns. We just, this is a new way of thinking about being human and interacting. And so what are we to do in times of quarantine and lockdown when our souls and our neurobiology is aching and longing and reacting and irritability and anger and exhaustion? How can we mitigate some of these some of these effects? Babe, you have been growing exponentially in self-awareness and actually feeling what you feel, knowing what you feel. You want to talk a little bit about that, why it's important? Yeah, I've just developed through this season. Um, well, I've realized that I have to have, um, I have to develop a personal awareness of what I'm actually feeling. Um, Otherwise, I'm going to sit with a pit in my stomach and an anxiousness or a tightness in my chest, and I'm not going to be able to articulate what's going on inside of me. And so I realized... So like in detail, how does that work out? You're able to, like after a Sunday morning... Yeah, after Sunday morning, it's like, uh, okay, 
usually later on in the afternoon on Sunday, I go for a walk and there's this, you know, I've talked about it before, but there's something about walking for me where it helps me to get to the root of what I'm feeling inside. And so, um, I find myself asking questions like, okay, what is that pit in your stomach? And I take some time to reflect on when did I feel like it originated? Oh, you know what? It was after the gathering this morning on Zoom, I started to feel this feeling of dread in my stomach. Okay, that's where it started. Why did it start after the gathering? It's literally me just walking myself through some And would you questions. say that's because as you're exploring the Sunday morning, you're like, oh, that person's facial expression looked like this. Was I misreading it? Or- oh, 100%. I, you know, I'm totally guilty of wanting to look at all the zoom little squares and yeah try i'm trying and read to what's i'm happening. trying to teach and my wife is flipping through all the little brady bunch squares on it's this is a disorienting distracting time. yeah it's just this <laughs> desire for me to want to know like how i want to see how are people feeling and try and get a read on things um so i found for me that developing a personal awareness of how i'm actually feeling has been really beneficial so i would encourage you to do that And then I'd also take it one step further and say, once you've been able to articulate what you're feeling to yourself, yeah, with yourself, um, process it with someone verbally. Mm. So, you know, most all of us live with someone. If you don't live with someone, hey, you can give your friend a call, but find someone that you can process what you're feeling with verbally, because there's something so powerful in being able to just like speak it out. And somehow, in many ways, it almost like loses its power a little bit in your Mm -hmm. life where you're like, okay, now that I've been able to find a category for this, Mm -hmm. I don't feel so weighed down by it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've sometimes called that uh, verbal vomiting. It's where you have that feeling in your gut. It's like, oh, how do I? And then you name it. Oh, I think I'm sick. And then, of course, this isn't being sick and this isn't vomiting. This is verbal catharsis where you're, you're releasing those tensions. I know I experienced that this last Sunday. Um, we had a beautiful morning. Matt walked us through uh, Matthew chapter six. Then we did a Q and A, and I will full transparency. I got a little bit disoriented in our Q and A time because I couldn't see everybody's faces. Uh, as a communicator and a public speaker, I have learned to communicate with an audience and receive their communication with me as they sit in the seats. And um, we dove into the deep end on some really difficult questions around Matthew six. And because I could not read the room and I couldn't read faces, I just got disoriented. And directly after the Sunday morning, because we weren't in embodied fellowship, I just found myself anxious and irritable. And thankfully, my wife and my kids and uh, our worship leader, Jared, they were all in my home. And I just kind of verbally began to share, okay, here's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling insecure. Uh, we're a church plant in the middle of a pandemic. There is no handbook on how to handle the forming of a fetus community in a pandemic. It's just so overwhelming sometimes. And I said those words out loud to them. They were able to reflect back with me. Here's what you're feeling. And there was this moment of release, like, you know what? They're right. Because they began to share, well, this perspective and that perspective. And here's what was really going on. Here's where you're misreading. And here's how it was for me personally, my daughter sharing those types of things. Jared's just processing is going to be, it's going to be huge. Another way that um, I'm mitigating against this, um, you know, this Zoom fatigue and that type of thing is uh, 
little acts of writing a card and sending it to someone in the mail. Um, We personally have received a few cards during this season that have just been little notes of encouragement. Um, Notes saying, hey, we're praying for you guys. Notes saying how much people love us. And it's just been incredible to be on the receiving end of that. And I've realized that there is something about rather than talking to someone on a Zoom screen, there's something really beautiful about going old school, uh, handwriting a note to someone, putting it in the mail, and them receiving it. Mm. Just as we've received something and been on the receiving end of that, it's just like, wow, so powerful. There's something beautiful about the act of myself um, writing a note, putting in the mail, and blessing someone that way. Yeah. As with hugging, I'm not a note writer and so I'm not very good at this, but I can say the notes that we have received have filled my soul. One of our, one of our members, she took a picture of the screen that she was watching on Sunday morning uh, from Easter. And then she wrote a handwritten note and there was something about looking at her perspective of the screen um, and the slide that was up and my little face pinned up in the corner teaching and then the handwritten note, here's what I experienced and thank you. And just all of a sudden the world is right again. There's an embodied moment of presence in that. I'm sure, uh, because there's really not much else to do and you've got to get out of the house. You've been walking. That is so important. Yeah. We've been taking walks so much and, um, we've actually been breaking up our day, starting our day, midway through our day, mid-afternoon, evening, just taking, it doesn't even have to be like these 45-minute hour-long walks, like literally breaking up our day with these five to 10-minute walks has been super beneficial. Thompson and the uh, that whole school of thought, they talk about um, irritability and anger, that those are actually um, mobilizing chemicals and reactions in your body to a perceived threat. So when you're feeling angry, that's actually your body saying, okay, something is threatening me. This anger is going to prepare me to either flee from it or fight against it. And so we have this invisible perceived threat of anxiety and lack of control. And it's designed, that anger that we feel against it is designed to mobilize our body. And the best thing that you can do is move, get out, go for a gentle walk. Or if you're wired like me, um, I prefer intensity over slowness. And so get out, do a hard workout, go for an intense run. Those types of things are really going to be helping. We'd also encourage you guys to stay off screens more than less uh, right now because so much is for connecting is happening over a computer screen. We'd encourage you in the moments where you don't have to be on screen to try and stay off of them. Um, Honestly, read a real book, not your Kindle. Um, read from that leather Bible that's been sitting on your bookshelf instead of your U version. They smell amazing. <laughs> uh, play an actual game of cards at your table uh, with your family or whoever you live with um, instead of Candy Crush on your phone. <laughs> they say in the world of physiology and kinesiology that sitting is the new smoking. <laughs> and so, um, There is a whole movement of standing desks, and I started utilizing that years ago, uh, just coming out of the CrossFit community, and it's important. One of the things that you can do to help with all the body and activity is stand. So do your Zoom meeting standing. Set up some sort of standing desk situation. 
and that will help. Um, now, from that movement piece, it's also important to embrace stillness. We're being given opportunity right now to not have a lot of interaction, embodied interaction with other people. This is a great time to develop more deep, more intense contemplative practices of prayer, listening prayer, the silence, solitude, so that when we return to community, there's going to be a full uh, embrace of each other, literally a full embrace of each other as we've been leaning into these, leaning into these practices. And so in closing, I'm sure all of you are experiencing uh, this fatigue that we've talked about in one form or another. Um, and we just want to encourage you, you're not alone. All of us are struggling through this season. This is not our norm. We're all recalibrating and trying to figure out uh, this new normal um, for that we find ourselves in. Um, so you're not alone. We're all together. Let's pray for one another. Let's be really intentional about uh, bearing one another one another's burdens, caring for one another, uh, whether that's through sending a note in the mail or a phone call or even a Zoom conversation. Here's what we want to uh, wrap up with. It's looking forward in this present moment to what's to come. This last week in pre-gathering prayer, there was a lot of prayer for our homes. And it was brought up that in the last days... Um, Elijah would return before the great day of the Lord and return the hearts of the children to the parents and the parents' hearts to the children, this this reuniting of embodied presence where there was separation before God's kingdom comes. And I think that that's actually a precursor. That's actually just a small picture of what ultimately is coming when the kingdom of God arrives on earth as it is in heaven. It will be a reuniting, an embodied reuniting of all of humanity um, what we are ultimately aching for is this embodied unity with each other. That's what the kingdom will be. Every tribe, every tongue, um, united with each other in bodily presence with the, the, the literal, physical, resurrected Jesus in his body for all of eternity, bearing the scars of our sin uh, upon his eternal body. It's, it's fascinating. It's something that we're aching for more than we realize. And this crisis is helping us to realize what we're aching for. So I'm going to have um, my wife close us with the scripture from the book of Revelation. And we'll be praying for you. We love you. Uh, soon and soon we will see each other again. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multi multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Shalom, friends. Shalom.